the wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello and welcome. This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast where three nerdy friends talk about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 1, Episode 12, Strong Hands Were Too Strong. everyone and welcome again to the wind was a beginning we're here and excited to keep talking about the eye of the world my name is justin and i have the best co-host in the world here with me this evening steven and michelle guys say hi to everybody what's up guys welcome from the best co-host in the world hey everybody great to have y'all back here with us indeed it is we are so excited to be uh, getting close to the end of the Eye of the World, we've got uh, tonight the, today's episode, and I believe one episode after this, and then we'll be done with the book. I can't believe uh, it. And uh, then we'll have a, a couple of uh, special things for you guys, and we'll be moving on to to the next book in the series. So in today's episode, we are looking at uh, chapters forty-five through forty-eight of the Eye of the World. So as we always do, we want to encourage you to uh, take the time and go and read those chapters. And then uh, once you've done that, come back and be ready to uh, discuss these these chapters as, as we uh, dive into them in today's episode. So, uh, guys, how we doing? Guys, it's wild. You know um, how I guess normal adults have like to-do lists and they get through the to-dos list every week? This is how I feel with this book. It's been on my like reading to-do list forever, and I feel so, like I can't believe I'm actually reading the Eye of the World. And you're, you're, like, you, I, fi- you I, finally it's, got it's to it. It's been there for forever, and I've never gotten to it. And here I am, like about to finish the first book. And and on top of that, I used to think the first book was like two thousand pages or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> when you hear Wheel of Time, all you ever hear about is like, yeah, it's a super long series. It goes on forever. So this is this is crazy. I feel really good. I am greatly enjoying how much you guys are getting into this, and especially Michelle getting excited about it. It just makes me happy. It's so yeah. trippy. Like I'm reading the Eye of the World. Like I'm I'm a wheel of timer now. Like I've read like I've <laughs> well, read one of the books so far. Like I'm gonna you know, be I'm, done with it. I'm I'm having a blast myself, and and you know I've I've been you know i've i've gone back and forth with this series i gave up on it one time and thought i would never touch it again and you know here i am getting to talk yeah. about it with you guys every week and i love every minute of it i can't believe we're doing uh, this this is it's wild it's so much fun uh so you guys want to get into tonight's chapters yeah let's go for it all right uh, again we're 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 looking at chapters 45 through 48 of the eye of the world we'll begin with chapter 45 what follows in the shadow turning back from the broken bridge the group continues toward faldara by a different path stopping for the night a little bit of playful banter between the Emmonsfield youths gives us a moment of levity before they lie down for sleep traveling the next day brings news that they're being followed through the ways 
and we finally learn how Trollocs have been moving without being noticed. But a more pressing danger arises as Machin Shin, the black wind that eats souls, forces a hasty exit from the waves. But thankfully, Faldara awaits in the distance. Can we can we talk for just a minute about that moment between uh, the Emmonsfield youth uh, before they lie down to sleep? Because I, I was yes. I was I was reading, and guys, I literally I, I laughed out loud as I was reading that that moment. You know, it starts with um, Egwene kind of being a little concerned, hearing some things about Rand and men, and then... Concerned, Perrin, concerned, but not concerned, by the way. She's acting like when, she doesn't care. Right. When 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 Perrin mentions Aram, and it's like, was it, she she choked on her tea? I, I yeah, laughed. Casually. He's like, you dance, yeah. with, you dance with Aram, right? Uh, and then, and then Matt yeah. brings up L's as, and it just gets even better from there. I'm like, so. I'm like, I'm like, Matt, like, stop. Like, we're good. We're even. Oh, but what about L's? Yeah. Is it L's yeah. or Elsa? It's L's. 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 Yeah. And it was so much fun. We're, we're here in this dark, scary place. And, you know, we have this on the horizon, this apparently a battle with the dark one to come and, these things pop up, <laughs> you know, and it's it's so much fun. Uh, what do you think the adults, like, sorry, the, the grown-ups are doing while they're having this discussion? Are they just, like, standing on the side? <laughs> like, kind of just observe? Don't you ever think about it? Like, what's Moraine and Lan and everyone doing while they're having this, like, uh, this I, they're probably <laughs> They're probably absorbed in their own, you know, preparations to, well, everybody staring, but Lan to lie down and in, to Staring sleep, into but... each other's eyes and whatnot. What is so? Would you put loyal into? Because I, I, for some reason, I don't consider him an adult. Oddly enough, I kind of consider him the same age as like Rand, even though I know let's he's uh, like. Yeah, let, let let's table that actually. Okay. Uh, th- 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 that uh, it, it's a it could be an appropriate discussion for right now, but I think we got something a little bit later on, and we can. Kind oh, of, okay. Because I was wondering those two like, together. His maturity. Uh, I was yeah, like, I was wondering but remember about that it. question because that's a great question. Yeah, keep keep that in mind, and we'll we'll come back to that. But yeah, there's some stuff coming up a little later on that is going to draw that back in. So we'll circle around to that. You know, the one thing that I really want to talk about here is what Moraine says about Tom Marilyn. Huh? And what does she say about him, Justin? Well, she says that she doesn't believe that he's dead. That he has a larger role to play in the pattern. And I think that's where the, where, where men got brought into the discussion because she talked about what men had seen around Tom, but here's my big thing. Yeah. A few weeks ago when we were talking about Tom Maryland's apparent demise, I, I, I brought up that there was no mention of a dead gleeman in Whitebridge. I'm going I, to have to listen I back brought, to that episode. I, I brought that up and y'all shot me down. Steven? <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold and, on, hold on. And, and I was now, team. Now, I, I, that means well, Steven listen, shot you Michelle, down. Michelle, you have been saying all along that Tom Marilyn is still alive. So I'll be fair. Oh, thank Steven you. Steven shot you. me down. Thank you. I believe Steven over said, here. 
When I when I made mention, Steve was just sitting there all quiet, not saying anything. He hasn't said a word. <laughs> but, he hasn't said a word, has he? Well, uh, we got a, we got an evil laugh out of him. And the thing <laughs> is, the thing is, he hasn't even remained neutral. He's been point but, blank saying that Tom's dead. Like you know what I'm talking about. I just about? wanted, I I just wanted to point that out that I said that, I said that several weeks ago. And I don't now, know. Now Moraine, now Moraine is saying the same thing. Justin, I don't want so, to. I never like, said. Justin, I don't want to distract you, from us I never attacking said that Stephen he was right outright now. Dead. You you shot you shot down my theory. <laughs> now here's the thing. I never said that you weren't right. That there wasn't some evidence that they didn't say. All I said was that there was a lot of stuff that happened. A lot of confusion. There were riots. I used to know what would have passed by and what would have happened and what wouldn't have happened. Justin, I'm going to be with you here. Steven is now backtracking, which is very odd. Uh, uh, but you definitely... And I'm normally, not doing any backtracking. No, no, normally, normally you stay very like neutral and everything as the guru, but you are very adamant of like, no, he's he's dead. Like, <laughs> Steven, <laughs> so I'm with you on Steven, that it's, one. It's, I it's never said again. those words. <laughs> it's it's two against one on this he one. Was dead. As I read I that, I, I, look, I look, he was told dead. you so. Nobody. Listen, listen. I, I I didn't take one side or the other about whether or not he was dead. I just presented the possibility that there was no mention of a dead Gleeman in Whitebridge, and I'm, you shot me. You shot it down. Now, Justin, <laughs> I don't I don't want us I don't want us to to move away from attacking Stephen here. But I will say that I did not feel your support when I was saying that Tom was alive. I, I, I'm just saying that I, now. I'm just I, saying I'm that now. Fair, I, I didn't. I fair. didn't. I didn't even catch any support from your direction. No, no, you did I'm not. not saying, but I, I <laughs> thank you. But I did we say will. that. If, I did say that a few weeks ago. Okay, so we will. <laughs> I, so we can continue to attack Stephen. But I'm just going to say that I didn't feel anyone's support on this one. Um, uh, we can move all forward. I'm going to say is just because Moraine says she thinks Tom still has a bigger part to play doesn't mean he does. Oh, so now you have more wisdom than the I said I. <laughs> so basically, oh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh man, if I could, I put I put a I put a thing outside your door right now, Stephen. I really uh, would. <laughs> I really there, would. I mean, there has we, we we've been holding on to this hope for for some time that. It is kind of weird that, Tom, that she said that, though. Yeah. Well, I think she was trying to give them a, a little bit of comfort. No, the in, thing that the thing that place. she said that oh, he's a big part of the pattern. Is she saying that he's a big part of the pattern because men had mentioned him, or because I'm like, how do you know he's a big part of the pattern? All this time we've been saying the pattern well, weaves. She's making reference to the fact that before men talked with Rand back at the end in Berlon, she yeah. had already. Moraine had men look at everybody and then come privately to her and tell her what uh, she saw. So there is stuff that men told Moraine that she didn't necessarily share with Rand and with the others. Okay. Like, she told Rand some stuff, but she probably told Moraine more in-depth and more things that she didn't even mention to Rand. Okay. Because I was like, what do you mean so that the there's, thing's been we like? Know of a, we know of the things that she saw that she shared with Rand. That doesn't mean that's all she saw. Okay. But yeah, I, I agree with Justin here. I think she's just trying to give them like a feeling of some kind of comfort or in this place, like to kind of set their minds at ease. Because it's easy when they're surrounded in this like dark void, of, you know, 
it's easy to get depressed and downtrodden, especially considering where they're headed. And I think she's just trying to give them a little bit of hope. Well, I mean, I would, I would characterize, I, w- I don't know if I'd characterize it like that. Cause it almost sounds like she's just saying something to make them feel better. I mean, obviously she's an Aes Sedai, so she can't lie, outright lie about it. Oh, I don't mean that she's just doing it. I think she believes it, but I think the reason she's sharing it is to try and build up hope. Yes. Yeah. I, I would agree with that, that that's, it's one of those moments where maybe maybe some good news like that is needed, and, and this yeah. this is a this is a good time for it. It's very it's very random, isn't it? It did kind of come out of nowhere, yeah. but like, again, hey guys, I think, by, I think by there's the way, good reason for it. I have something good to tell you guys. I I, I don't think Tom is dead, but was she we, even we, was Michelle, she even Michelle, there? <laughs> was, no, no, this is this is Moraine when she's talking to them. Was she even there when um, Rand and I guess it was just Rand really was like explaining to them like, yeah, you know, I think. I don't know if she went off to the side or something. Like, I don't know if she was there when Rand was explaining that he thought, you know, Tom got attacked and killed or whatever. Yes, uh, because she was there because that's, he reveals about uh, Tom's death when they're all still in the kitchen. Okay, Before okay. Moraine uh, sends them upstairs to Matt and then that whole thing happens. Okay. Uh, because uh, I think it's Egwene asks where Tom is after they meet Rand in the kitchens and then he breaks he tells them what happened. Okay. Um, so but, she but is still present for that. There, there is some hope for, for our, our favorite Gleeman, Tom Marilyn. He, I feel he's good. Still, he's still out there fighting somewhere. He's, he's not playing his harp or his flute because Rand still has those, but he's still out there somewhere. Um, so finally, uh, Which, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that leads us into the fact that they're going to need a little bit of hope because uh, there's Trollocs in these these here ways. Yeah, we finally <laughs> figure out how the Trollocs have been, you know, there's there's been a lot of discussion along throughout the book of how are these Trollocs getting to these places with nobody noticing them. Well, we finally have our answer. Isn't that they, wild? They've been traveling the ways. I never would have thought because it's it's something that haven't we been talking about this too? I know I've been asking about it. Like, how do people not notice that Trollocs are just you know stomping through? So they've been using the they've been using the ways. That's so weird. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. in, in in your defense, you didn't know anything about the ways until what last yeah, episode? I know. <laughs> I know. But in all honesty, I I still never would have thought because I thought you had to have an ogier to go into the ways. So no. Uh... You have to be able to read Ogier. But I think I think we were meant to I think we were meant to be under the impression that you needed an Ogier. I think that was we were meant to think that. And then this comes as a surprise that, oh, you don't actually need an Ogier to navigate the ways. It can be done. Um Although apparently they've had some trouble as well, because there is that one moment with the the dead Trollocs that uh, I think causes Matt to uh, to to lose his lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have as well. Yeah, that's that's one thing I was going to bring up is I think part of the reason which shows shocking to find out this has been happening is because the Aes Sedai and Moraine assume that creatures of the Dark One wouldn't be able to use the ways because. Saidi, the male channelers who made it would have built in protections against that. The problem is, as Moraine alludes to, is the fact that 
the corruption from the Dark One's taint has become so strong that those protections are failing. And so the Merdral and the Trollocs are now able to use the ways, whereas they wouldn't have been before. It's still not without danger, as a, as evidenced by those Trollocs that got killed. But, uh, you know, they lose, you know, a handful here and there, but the rest are able to move from, from one place to the next where they want to go. That's still uh, a problem. And I think another part of it, too, is maybe... You know, we've seen that there's a force that's driving the Merdral, uh, obviously, because they wouldn't have gone into Shadow Rogoth otherwise. It could be a very similar situation with the Ways, in that some force, uh, whether it be the Dark One himself or some other force, is forcing them to use the Ways despite the dangers. Yeah, it seems like it's against their will, kind of. Um, when You know what I mean? It seems like they're kind of getting moved through. Um, I, and I was really shocked... Um, I mean, we can we're gonna we're gonna get into how they like how they left the ways, but I was really shocked about the way they left too because I thought it I thought it was all yeah I mean this was all eye opening for me because I thought it was all like you know the touching of the thing to open the gate you need an ogre to guide you and then you have to touch some other key to leave it I didn't know you could just break it down like hey okay yeah so like worst case scenario let's just let's just well <laughs> here's the the uh, getting to that um, and then we can hop back for a minute but. With reference to the escape through the door, um, the problem they run into is that somebody, at some point in time, somebody has taken the leaf that is supposed to unlock that side of the gate and taken it with them. They took it. Uh, so oh, they're normally, okay. yeah. Some that's the problem. There should be a leaf there for them to move, like she did, to get them into the ways. There should be a leaf on that side for her to put in place to unlock the gate from this from inside. But somebody has taken the leaf out and taken it with them so that the leaf is no longer there. Basically, somebody locked the door. And so she has no other choice but to uh, eliminate the door from being a problem. But that comes at a cost because now there's no way to seal it. And so that's why she has to later deal with that. But uh, that's the whole issue there is that is someone, whether it be the dark, the tr- murderall, or another traveler who knows how long ago, at some point, someone has come through that way gate and locked it behind them. That sounds like something I would do, where you just like, you know, la-da-da, out the door, and then forget to put the key back. So I'm, oh. I guess on behalf, of, on behalf of people like me, I'm sorry, Moraine. <laughs> sorry about that. I'll leave a sign next time. So my question is, I want to hear more um, about the, what? how did you say it? Machin ma- Shin? Ma- ma- Machin Shin. Machin Shin. Yep. The Black Wind. The Black Wind. Because, you know, I almost thought it was the Mist. Is that what we call it? The Mist? The other thing? Oh, Mashadar. Mashadar. Is it called The Mist or am I mixing it up with a movie? No, it, it is a mist, but it's called Mashadar. Mashadar. Yeah. But it is a mist-like substance. And this is completely different from that, right? So this is a dark, howling force that creates a wind where there should be no wind and those that get too close to it start to hear voices. Yeah. Um, presumably the souls that it has eaten and devoured in the past. So yeah, this is a little different. Uh, both of them definitely something evil, um, but not quite the same, although somewhat similar. I think it was Moraine that described Machin Shin basically like a parasite. Yeah. Yeah. She said that, you know, the ways are living things and all living things have parasites. 
Well, she said that's one possibility. She also said it could also be a thing created in the, by the Dark One's taint, or it could be a natural occurrence of the ways that has grown and corrupted itself over time being exposed to that taint. There's several theories, but one of them is definitely that it could just be a naturally occurring parasite. Yeah. Uh, but I think if that's the case, something has happened to elevate it. Yeah, I'm just glad they got out of there. So, so <laughs> this thing can still devour your soul, though. That's why they're running. Yes. Yes. Man, everything's so, after your soul. At, you can't, uh, and geez. see, here's the thing. Uh, Loyal tried to warn them about this back before he agreed to go into the ways. He said that uh, people had come out and that was the only word they would say when they, like, Ogier came out of the ways basically driven mad and, like, catatonic. And the only word they ever said after that was Mashinshin. And, and they were just—they would basically—they would basically spend the rest of their lives in a hospital in the Ogier setting, sitting there in a chair, staring off into nothing. They're—they're they're like basically, the lights are on, but nobody's home after that point. Like, the very being had been sucked out of them, or they made it out and came out mad, like absolutely raving mad. Uh, so it—it it is a dark and devastating thing it either is going to outright kill you or leave you wishing you were dead mm. they're braver than me I, i'm one of those people that when something scary comes out i just sit down like i just i'm one of those you know there's uh, those people in the scary movies who just like start tripping and they start crawling i'm a crawler so i probably would have just i would just <laughs> let it overtake me um but that's why you don't tell him to speed up when he's trying to explain something to you you have to just let him speak well and and i think moraine I don't think ignored what he was saying, but she just felt that, you know, necessity and the need for haste was worth the risk. Yeah. And, and they, they almost made it. They did. <laughs> by the time, by the time Machin Shin shows up, they were only like two bridges away from the way gate they were looking for. So they almost yeah. made it without problem. <laughs> Man, so much darkness. Well, um, Unless y'all have anything else about Mashin Chin, I think we probably need to move on to our next chapter. Yeah, let's keep yes. it going. Scroll on through to uh, chapter 46, where we uh, finally arrive at Faldara, just a few hours travel away from the Waygate. Uh, there, it seems that there's some preparations being made for war, and the Lord of Faldara, Lord Agomar, must accept that Moraine, Lan, and the others can't help them in their fight, but are headed for the eye of the world, no, no matter how much he would like to have them. Uh, and during dinner, there's word of a man who has tried to sneak into the city. And what do you know? It turns out to be Padden Fane, and he's not all there. Uh, but Moraine senses something else and has to question him immediately. I do. I do have a question for both of you. Yep. Do you have Do you have your spring curtains up yet? <laughs> I was like, I was like, the, the way they said that too, like it's cop, like yeah, their their spring <laughs> curtains are still like their spring curtains aren't up. I'm like, okay. It was. It was so. It was so matter of fact. It was like, like duh. Everybody. Everybody should know that. <laughs> Right. That's a good point, though. Like, maybe I do need to have, like, spring and winter curtains. Maybe it'll help with the temperature in my house right now. I, I don't know, but... I, I, I mean, I you know, 
here's the thing in a, in a world where you don't have central heat and air uh definitely having thicker curtains in the winter i think would make sense to keep the warmth in the house and then putting up yeah. something a little bit thinner at in in the warmer weather to help it stay cool it makes sense it was All just right. the way it was it was the way it was presented so matter of factly it's like, like they paused too like um <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> Oh man! So I mean, it's it's still kind of early in the season, so guys, just make sure you get your spring curtains up. No, uh, thank you so much. much. Yeah. No, thank you so much because I almost forgot. <laughs> no, I that's yeah. like, that's the first thing I'm going to do when we're done with this episode. Put my spring curtains up. But but um, you, you know, that was a a sign to them that you know these places haven't been abandoned that long. The, these villages, these houses, yeah. farmhouses. Perrin sees another clue as to why they haven't been abandoned that long. Steven, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, Super Specs McGee over there is able to tell that uh, there's no rust on any of the tools that have been left out. Uh, so, like, he's just, like, tunneling in, like, oh, yeah, I, there's no rust. And, and Rand and Matt are just like, wait, you can see that? What? <laughs> How is this? <laughs> I, I did like that moment uh, in Rand's in Rand's thought of... <laughs> He had always had sharper eyes than Perrin. Not anymore, Rand. But yeah, yeah. But that that makes me, you know, just a couple of the things that come out during these chapters. Does Rand know? No. About about exactly what's going on with Perrin. I know that I know that Moraine knows. Lan is aware. I would assume that at least Nynaeve and probably Egwene have maybe some sense because they were there. Egwene when knows. That, that discussion was had. But... Yeah, Egwene would probably know better than most. I feel like um, Nynaeve doesn't yeah, know as much as everyone any, else, but... She's, she, she, she was with Perrin throughout that whole process, so yeah, she definitely has, is yeah. aware. But, uh, but Matt and Rand I don't think we've been... I think Matt, Rand and Matt, I think, are probably still pretty much in the dark. Like, they realize something is going on because Moraine hasn't been super subtle. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Perrin's been acting weird, but I don't think they know what. I think obviously that's kinda... they have realized something's going on with his eyes, but they don't. Yeah. I don't think I... either one of them have like put together why. At one point, that, I swear he literally crouched, like he crouched down, like you, like make it more obvious, yeah. Perrin. Well, and 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 while they were in the ways, Rand had some thought that he looked like a wolf at bay. Um, but yeah. he he doesn't really know. That that's what's going on. That he doesn't know that Perrin's a wolf brother. Because I'll say, and that's what I had kind of picked. That's what I the vibe that I was getting is that they didn't know. Obviously, they know that something has changed, but not uh, not just not exactly what the change has been. I, I feel like they so, haven't had the right. chance to kind of like sit back and have the pillow talk. And when they did have that chance, all they're talking about are people like the girls and the Arams and whatnot. <laughs> so, and, and you know, and you've noticed too that whenever they try to say something about it, Perrin just like, like he just he's not having it. So, um, which I don't understand why. I'd, I'd be all over it. I'd be like, guys, I'm a wolf brother. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd but he was, you know, he was always the the thoughtful, methodical one. But it seems like he's even more so now. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. It seems like his personality. I mean, his personality hasn't changed. Uh, I haven't really noticed Perrin until he became a wolf brother, in all honesty. But he's definitely more reserved. I don't think he's any more reserved. I think, I think that he is just turned inward right now, and he's trying. He's living in his own head a lot right now because he's trying to kind of figure out 
how he feels about what's happening and like he's just spending a lot of time thinking in his own head and it's just coming off to other people as like odd behavior because he's just not being like super involved in what's going on around him. Was there a moment where he sat down and he growled like there's no meat? Like something like that? Like I'm pretty or, sure Or what what was it? Yeah, he said something uh, about nothing, like, nothing to hunt. There's nothing to hunt or there's no meat to hunt <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Like that's so random, but hey, I, I like I said I'd be I'd be I'd put it everywhere like I'm a wolf brother, Michelle, <laughs> like wolf brother. But um So I want to I want to skip down a little bit yeah. in in our notes cuz Talk about something that happened before they get to Faldar. This moment where uh, Nynaeve is talking, you know, Rand had tried to convince Nynaeve and Egwene to just go on to like, to either stay in Faldar or go on to Tarvalon or something like that. And Nynaeve is pretty much not going to have it. And she makes this statement that if, if you boys are, if you men are, are part of this, then we're part. And, and, and Matt, you know, afterwards, like she called us men. Yeah. So that, I think that brings up again, something we haven't talked about in a while is how old, uh, how old these, these young men are exactly. And I think we can tie into that loyal's age as well. His, his relative age, I guess we could say, we know, we know he's about ninety years old, but how does that translate compared to he's like a, a human? So he comes up. So as, what do you think, Michelle? I, I swear these kids are not more than like sixteen. Well, that's that's older than what you said before. I feel like they've just <laughs> gone through. I no, I'm saying they were not older than sixteen. I still feel like they're in the fourteen. I feel like they just went through puberty. Like they, like they, like they're. I feel like I still want to say they're like fourteen tops, fifteen. Would Would you really? They're not that old, men. I mean, people, people, I, I, think they're, I think they're a little bit older. I, I think that, that oh, no. it, it, it seems to be pointing in that direction. No, it depends on where you go. Some people get called men at that young age just to make them. Well, maybe, you but know. it doesn't seem. Sometimes I call like a little six month old, a little man, you know, sometimes kids just like to hear that. So that doesn't. That doesn't no, that, this, that's not that kind this is not <laughs> that kind of thing though. I just, no way. This, There's this no is... way they're in their twenties. I'm, I'm not saying they're in their twenties. I'm, I'm just thinking maybe late teens. I, I don't feel Instead like they're older early. than 16. I don't think so. I just, I can't, I, I find that hard to believe. I know their voices are definitely deep. Maybe not Matt, but definitely Rand and, and Perrin. Well, Steven, you got any uh, knowledge and you then, can drop And then Loyal, for some reason, in my mind, I always picture him as 19. He's 90 or whatever, but I always picture him as like, he's not 20 yet, but he's like, a he's late teens. Cause he comes off as he's part of their group. He's not a he's not a big boy. Like I don't know. He's not a he's not a he's not an old man. Basically, he's like young. So I'm trying to see what I can say without giving spoilers. She called us men. I I I promise you, people don't say that until they like they finally become a man, kind of, but they're not sure. I feel like he's. I don't know. I feel like they're not older than sixteen. And also, I don't know what the life expectancy is for people here, like in Eamon's field. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Sen well, Bowie? How, like, you know, I'm pretty sure it was established. He's probably like in his 80s. Oh, he's in his 80s. Okay. I keep so, on telling myself he's, he's in his he's, 50s or something. He's he's younger than Loyal, but not much. Okay. Technically. I'm, I'm talking a number of years, not relative age. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, rel- relative age, Loyal still, you know, like you said, he's he's still like probably in his late teens. So, I think honestly, I can go ahead and at this point and tell you the ages without it really being spoilery. Oh my gosh! But I'll let y'all make the call on what on that. Not yet. What do no, you think, don't say Justin? the age. No. Oh, uh, Michelle doesn't want to know yet. Well, we find out through the books. Like, okay. will the books tell us? Kinda, sorta. You have to kind of put it. I just think it gives you context. Uh, but it's just one of those things that's not, it's not like outright said, I don't think. It's just you have to pick up on like other characters' ages are given, and we know how they are based on relation to other characters, and you have to do the math in your head to figure it out. How old is um, uh, Nynaeve? How, do you want to know? She, how old was she in the uh, Raven's prologue? She was like, she was not 20, was she? Wasn't she like... She was a teenager, wasn't she? Wasn't she like 16 or something like that in, in that prologue? I want to say she's 25 or something. And, and Egwene was only 9, so... She was a child. Know, she's still young. Yeah. She's still very I young. I want to call her 25. What is she, Steven? You want to know. Oh, man, it's going to make me feel sick. All right, so... Uh, Nynaeve is roughly somewhere between 23 and 24. Close. Not too bad. Okay, so can we confirm then? Yep. You know what? I'm ready to know. Can we confirm then that all of them are less than 16, 16 or below? No. What? The kids, I mean. No. Do you want to know how old they are? Yeah, how old are they? Uh, so the three boys are 19. What? And Egwene is somewhere between 16 and 17. So I got Egwene. I thought they were all the same age. That's kind of weird to me, right? Like, I thought they were, like... The boys are all the same age. No, I thought, I thought she was the same age as the boys. No, that was mentioned all the way back... That was mentioned all the way back in the Ravens prologue, that uh, they were a little bit... Like, maybe yeah. a couple of years older than she was. I guess they were just still childish or something. It's so funny. She acts older than them, but she's definitely younger. Yeah. Well, especially... She's a couple of years younger. Especially at that age, that all... That, that, tends to be the case yeah that, that's true that is it, true. It, especially around that age girls do mature a lot faster that, that's not even a, that's like all cases. jokes aside like that's pretty true so that means actually i guess it <laughs> yeah. does make sense because i like i said loyal always comes off as 19 so i guess it is it does make sense that they're together yeah. matt is so childish you gotta think too i mean you know they're they're at an age that they can be thinking about marriage going all the way back to the very beginning because that was kind of the that was what Rand was so uncomfortable about with Egwene braiding her hair is that means they can get married now. And She's he was woman. like, I don't know if I'm yeah. ready. <laughs> She's a woman now. Oh my gosh. That means that um, Lan has to be like early thirties or late twenties. I just feel like if Rand comes off, Lan comes off as an older man, but not an older man. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's older than Nynaeve. I'm going to put him at 28. No. I'm going to put him at 28. No, he's got to be much older than that based on information we get later. Oh, no, please don't say he's 50, something weird. Well, let, let's come to that later. Yeah, let's, let's keep going. I don't, want, I don't want to talk about that in, one. Let's just... In this chapter. Yeah, let's keep going. We, we got to hop forward. Okay, so, yeah, I think we're about ready to head into the next chapter, but we do want to, at least I want to, for just a second at least, uh, talk about uh, just the sheer, like, the the fortitude and honor that we see in these men in Faldara, despite the fact that all the southern kingdoms tend to ignore 
that, you know, half of them don't even think Trollocs are real. Yes. These men have spent their whole life preparing and fighting the Trollocs and the Fades, and they are willing to mar basically march to their deaths to try and buy the rest of the, of the, the continent more time. I mean, that's... There's a lot of honor in these people, and I think it's worth talking about for a second. What do they call land again? Daishan? Da Daishan. Daishan. I like that name. Daishan. Yeah. Hi, Daishan. <laughs> Which that, that's, explained, yeah. that's, explained, that's explained in the next chapter. What really, um, you know, I thought about with the, um, the Shinarans, are you going to try to convince them otherwise? No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they. this is... You know, this is the this is the life that they know, and you know, I don't think they they wouldn't accept anything else because because there's there's the honor in it. Yeah, I just think it speaks volumes about these people. Like, it's not like oh, we've got a couple of good, you know, strong, outstanding men. No, this is like an army of people who basically, from the time they were old enough to hold a sword, have been fighting the dark. It's one. like the spark. It's like yeah. Sparta so, I mean, here. It, it's just. But I mean, it, it, yeah. there's so much of it. It's it's the necessity of it, though. They have to they have to live that yeah. way. Always on. They're always living on right on the border. Yeah. They're living right on the border of the blight. Yeah. Um, so they have to do that. Yeah, they are now, which is uh, part of what we learn in the next chapter. Which I right. think, if y'all are ready, we can go ahead and move. I just want to say well. one last thing, Patton freaking fade. I told you that was not the last time we're going to see him. But on to the next. No, no, no. Oh, it, well, was the, it was the end of say, this chapter. That's right. We do learn that it's him in this chapter, yeah. But uh, we'll learn a little bit more about him in the next chapter. Chapter 47, More Tales of the Wheel. Um, as Moraine questions Padden Fane, the Immensfielders and Loyal learn uh, the truth about Aulan Mandragoran, Lord of the Seven Towers, Lord of the Lakes, Crownless King of the Malkiri. But Lan's not the only one with secrets. Padden Fane, it turns out, is a dark friend and more. A hound of the Dark One. He found the three young men in Emmonsfield and led the Trollocs straight to them. Though claiming to want his freedom, Fane has continued to follow them even though, or even through the ways. And even Moraine doesn't quite know how he survived Machin Shin. But Moraine does know that the three Taviran are key to the battle against the Dark One. The old blood of Manetherin is strong and pure in almost all of them. Guys, this chapter. <laughs> it was just a lot. You know, one thing yeah. I appreciate about Robert Jordan is that um, you feel like there's all these different holes and you're thinking like, oh, I'm not going to find out about any of this until like maybe book five or something. But he actually, it's kind of interesting. Like he's really bringing everything together during these last few chapters. At least it feels like that to me. I don't know. It's like he's answering a lot of my questions right now. There, there are there are a ton of questions answered in this chapter, not only about Padden Fane, but about Lan as well, and his his history, his origin, basically. Yeah. And and, and I looked it up. It, it, uh, Lord Agomar said that it was not yet fifty years prior that Shinar was not the Borderlands, not really. Yeah. But uh, Malkir to the north was the borderlands, and and we we kind of learn a little bit about what happened there. Uh, do we want to go into that? I know I know we probably want to spend more time talking about Lan and what we learn about him. Needless to say, I think it can mostly be summed up in that 
there was betrayal. Um, there was jealousy and betrayal by those that were trusted, and dark friends are everywhere. I mean, they're literally everywhere. Like you can't even blink. Like what? I, I wrote down. I wrote down in my notes that jealousy is ultimately the reason that Malkir fell. That's it. Is what it really yep. boils down to. And so here we jealousy have jealousy and pride. Here, here we have Lan, who is basically a king without a kingdom. Man, and the and the epitome of just loyalty and just honor too. It's a, it's a, it's a very. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 heartbreaking in many ways, and, and you and you you see it. You know, the thing is, in these in these chapters, we get learned so not not just in this chapter, but throughout, we learn more about Lan than I think we've learned throughout the whole book. Because I, I think it was um, back in chapter forty five when they're talking about the the weather. Matt says something about the the cold and. And I think we actually got a little bit of humor, maybe even sarcasm out of Lan. He's like, oh, man, this is a fine yeah. spring day, sheep herder. <laughs> well, no, we, we're, then, yeah. it's ever since we talked back about Elias, that's when, like, ever yeah. since that moment where Perrin told we've him gotten, about Elias, it's like Lan just, he, he's, we've gotten so, so much he's like out a human Lan now. And, and about him. And then in the previous chapter, we had him quoting poetry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this guy's a this guy's like an onion. It's kind of just it's a lot. <laughs> I was are, gonna make reference to that. There so are layers you, you upon know, layers. So fun little fact, um, and this I can go ahead and say this because you probably wouldn't catch most people wouldn't catch it. So what Agumar and Lan are talking about there that Rand and everybody thinks is poetry, they're actually making reference to uh, blade stances. Oh, so those those oh, those are okay. are uh, fighting forms that they're making reference to for blade masters. I'm gonna so go like back and read that the again. different <laughs> forms. Yeah, so yeah. they it sounds like poetry to the boys and to the to the Edmonds Fielders here, but it's actually uh, a reference to techniques and things. Uh, Used by blade masters of whom Lan is one. That is such well, a. Still sound, that's just a fun little. It still sounded very poetic. Oh, definitely does. And and you know, it is would 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 it not be fair to say that you know proper sword technique is kind of poetic when it's done right. I think it is poetry to Lan. It's poetry for the like. I think that's in itself. It is a type of poetry, but I think so. Especially when you when you get later in the books and you start to see more about the sword forms, listeners, yeah. listeners, I would like to point out that Justin had his hand on his chin, like acting like he's some kind of like old, like weathered sword master. Like, is it not? Po- <laughs> is it not poetry? Is sword mastery not poet? Like, okay, you gotta uh. be kidding me, guys. <laughs> like, we're nerds. <laughs> like, we've never touched the sword. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh no! Takes I own many, a couple. Takes takes many forms. It takes many forms. Did you say you own a couple, Stephen? I do. You own a couple swords. Yeah. Well, I'm not even going to question it. Why wouldn't he own a couple swords? Why? Why? <laughs> why don't I own a couple? Oh no, no, no! I have a Lego. Uh, I also have a lightsaber. So I, I have the energy sword from uh, Halo. So that's that's true. So let's let's we're nerds. Yeah, we got we got a lot more. To, we got yeah. a lot more to cover here. Not a lot of yeah. Time. Let's get back on track. Let's go back. Is there anything else we need to say? Is there anything else we need to say about Lan? Nothing else. Um, 
you know, it, it's it's I it's mean, a tragic tale. It just explains a lot. It's nice that it's like it explains a lot about him without being mushy. And you can you can tell that yeah. you can you can see in some of his actions, yeah, uh, whether he would want to show it or not, how much it hurts. I mean, that's his home. He's a man that from the from the cradle was wed to the blade and to his fight against the dark one. Yeah, uh, you know that's all he knows and that's all he is. He Lord Agamar describes him as the best amongst the warders. Yeah. So yeah. that puts him like when you compare. Warders are a step above normal men, and then you say Lan is the the best of them. So it's like Lan is like a living hero, basically for the, especially for the people of Shinar. He's like this symbol, uh, this aspiration of what every good borderlander should be. And it sounds it sounds like if he were to raise the uh, banner of Malkir, yes, he he would have an army in a heartbeat. Yeah, at his back, but he won't but because he, won't do he it. knows that it would be a fruitless fight. I guess side question is it is this is this typical? Is there always some battle at the Borderlands? Like, is this just what happens? Like, they're always raising their banner to fight something. There's no there's there's no peace, right? There's no peace at the Borderlands, basically. No, that's the thing. That's why they use peace as like a word of like blessing or something because it's a, a word that they have no other use for. Um, basically, there's always skirmishes. There's always raids and battles fighting but what is happening here is something else um so they're used to dealing with uh battles with fighting against the trollocs keeping the raiding parties at bay what they are headed to fight in tarwin's gap is an army it is not like a little battle or skirmish it's not the kind of stuff you deal with year in and year out this is the kind of thing like they are sending the women and children south because they know they won't survive it. Uh, so I mean, this is this is this is not on the scale that they're used to. These are men that spend their whole lives fighting Fades and Trollocs, but not in the kind of numbers that they're headed to face now. Usually, they're dealing with raiding parties and small. This is the end. That that town is gone um, after this. Yeah, you you can tell by the way Agamar talks about it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a desperate situation. But uh, I think unless you all have anything else there to talk about with Lan, we need to uh, touch base with our favorite peddler. The peddler. Your favorite peddler. I, I like, I, we, have, we, have, we have literally <laughs> never put the word favorite in front of this peddler before. <laughs> We've never. I, only thing I'd ever said was, ever since he popped up out of the woodwork, it was like, wow, we need to keep an eye on yeah. this guy. I've said it since well, uh, here's, Maryland. Yeah, here, here's the thing. You know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about, you know, dark friends can be just ordinary people. People, the, pe- the people you would least expect. Padden Fane has been a dark friend for more than 40 years, we learn. That is so... But, but to the people of Emmons Field, he was just a peddler for a long yep. time. Like, he's been coming there regularly. Yeah, and... You know, at one point, I, I I questioned, you know, how long had he been coming? And it, it had been a while. They, there were many years before all of this stuff started going down that, that ha- is revealed in this chapter. Uh, so, so he, he was, had probably again, been was, coming in and out of Edmund's Field since they were kids. Yeah. Um, but he'd been specifically working as the Hound for the Dark One for three years. For three years. 
So he'd been a regular old dark friend, and then three years ago, he was summoned to Shell Ghoul. And that's when everything kind of accelerates for him. And no matter what, I still don't think that he wanted to be a hound. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, no. Like, so we, so he, we're all established that, right? Is, like, he, does, uh, he does not, he's a hound, but he did not want to be a hound. No, he made his deal with the devil. He sold his soul and then did his dark friend things for a long time. And then three years ago, the devil came to collect his dues. And he was like, no. And, uh, <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, he's like, this is not what I signed on for, but here I am. Uh, because what are you going to do? You, you're you not going to back out of the deal with a dark one. Because then you just told you, it. we told you. And being dead you is You got to read the fine print. And he did not read <laughs> so, it. He yeah. signed it too quickly. Yeah. So knowing now what we do about Padden Fane and about uh, what the dark one's done to him and how he like changed him and used him to become a hound to be able to seek and track the boys... Um, with reference to that, what do we think about how, when he's talking to Moraine, it seems like there's almost like multiple personalities yes. going on. Like there's yeah. the snivelly little Pat and Fane, and then there's this like noble sounding, like sly guy talking, and then there's, you know, the, the wretched guy talking. And then we also have the fact that apparently uh, Ma Shin, Shin he he didn't escape Ma Shin. Shin. No. Ma Chin Chin it, it escaped him from him and then fled him. <laughs> they, were like, they were like, we did not. <laughs> like, this is not what we signed up yeah. for. It just dipped. <laughs> it's like the, the voices in the darkness greeted him like an old friend and then Ma Chin Chin turned the other way. I mean, what mm. what what mm. is this guy? <laughs> Do you think um, when he was changing all his different voices, I'm like, are these the people that he kind of took hold of when he was tracking the boys? Like, are these the personalities that he kind of has stored up? that the Dark One uh, put together. Uh, when they were talking about that, I was wondering if, like, is he even Pat and Fane, or is he just this vessel that the Dark One uses to change personalities in? When he had the Noble talk, I thought at one point that he was being possessed um, by a Balsamon, but I was like, no, this isn't, this isn't possession. Um, it's like his soul got split, maybe? I don't know. What do you guys... I mean, I can't even ask what you think, because you know. I, I just... Well, there's a lot of details that I don't remember. It doesn't seem like he got possessed uh, to me. I, That's what like, I just feel like I, I something just, got cracked. I think I, I kind of took it as he's so shaken and broken by everything that's happened to him. I mean, here here's a guy who one of the fades that he ran into along the way was making him sleep in a trollic cook pot. And then, you know, even though he wanted or he said he wanted to break free, he he can't. Uh, he can't. Um... I want to feel I felt sorry for him for a second. Then another part of me is like, you, 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 you vowed yourself to the dark one. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of do feel sorry for him because he, you know, he's he's this bitter, broken shell of, of what he must have formerly been so it's it's really it's really tragic that he's he's suffering in that way so i feel really bad uh about that for him but at the same time i, I agree with you i mean in a way he signed up you know what this. this reminds me of though it, it's a matter of he, he's been doing this for 40 years uh this is one of those things where you sign up for something and you don't expect the dark one to ever come back 
You know what I mean? Like it's like I yeah. signed up. It's, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's so. like it's like Voldemort. You remember? Like like you have all these Death Eaters, and they're like, yeah, we follow Voldemort. They didn't expect him to come back, and now it's like he's calling on them. And and I feel like that's what happened to Pat and Fane. And I can't feel too bad for him because at the end of the day, he still tracked the boys. But I'm guessing though, a part of me is like, I, I'm guessing though, the Hound action, like the Hound side of him, is not even. It's like he's not even moving because he wants to. It's like. At that point, he's not even Pat and Fane anymore. He's he's just the Hound. Yeah, I got that that impression from it. Is that like he he can't control it anymore. He he has to follow them. He's compelled by something, uh, you know, deep down inside that he can't really do anything about. Um, and and I do feel bad about that. Um, because even as a dark friend, he might not have even been evil. You know what I mean? It might even just be that he wanted to be a dark friend just so he can be a successful peddler. Um, you know, selling yourself. Well, I mean, he's still. You know? I mean, he's. I say he still pledged himself to the yeah, dark huh? one. So there's, there's some, there's some pro. <laughs> that's yeah. problematic to begin with. But you know, it's it's another. It's like you said, he didn't read the fine print, I guess. And you know, the dark one called in the contract and said, "Here, this is what's going to happen." And he ended up like he was. One interesting thing that we did learn. Uh, on on this is we we finally learn what it was that drove the Trollocs into Shatterlobot. Yes, it was a it was Baalzaman or something that looked like Baalzaman driving them into the places they don't want to go, which probably means drove them into the ways as yeah. well that we were talking about earlier. That probably had something to do with that. But and and you know Moraine obviously is very concerned about that. And she actually brings that up, you know, three years ago, um, you know, the Dark One had to bring Padden Fane to Shale Ghoul to do this to him. A year ago, she was having, the Dark One was having to, you know, he could touch his dreams. And now the Dark One is, you know, in touching the dreams of people who walk in the light. Yeah. The Dark One is getting stronger, basically. Moraine, Moraine really you know, has this assessment of the situation that it's bad. It's really bad. And we've got to move quickly. You know, she even told, um, Agamar that if she could, she would leave right then and go to the blight yeah. and take care of this. Um, yeah, there's definitely some escalation. Yeah. Things are, things are getting bad and we got to handle it quick. Well, I guess let's go on to the blight. Yeah, well, I, one other thing I, I did want to bring up is that that statement that Moraine makes about the blood of Manetherin. Yeah, and, and and Rand noticed it. The statement she made said that the 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 old blood of Manetherin is strong and pure in almost all of them, and Rand was definitely affected by that yeah. because this this whole book, yeah. this whole book, ever since he was dragging Tam through the woods he's had these questions yep. and doubts and he's had these people telling him you know he looks like an Aielman he's had Baalzaman in his dreams you know further putting these doubts into his mind that he's you know not who he thinks he is and now Moraine makes this statement and, and you know it almost seems just so offhand do you think she knows you know, maybe I bet she knows Oh, she definitely, she definitely knows more than she's she's letting she's on. She's not telling him, but she knows. Or more than, 
More more than we know that she knows. She knows. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> she knows. But that wasn't an accident. Now. No, it was not an accident. She didn't need all. to do like, that. I just though. thought. I thought. Had, like we've already. I thought that was. They're already growing, going through enough. She did not need to say that, but I, I appreciated it. I thought that was worth mentioning. Yeah, it though. was. Uh, so we ready for the, we ready for the last chapter? Yes, we are. I think so. Chapter forty-eight: The Blight. Faldara is preparing for battle while the main party does head into the Blight. And as they travel north, the air gets warmer and everything around them begins to appear diseased. There are many dangers in the Blight and pretty much everything there can kill you. Camping somewhere near what used to be Malkir, Egwene hopes that uh, they will be together one day in Tarvalon and that Rand will be her warder. Meanwhile, in a conversation that Rand was not meant to hear, the wisdom and the warder declare their love, but Lan is certain that it cannot be. I'll tell y'all one thing. I felt I felt that humidity in the blight. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> oh man, and and, and I, you know I I'm thought so about over it. it. Uh, you know, Robert Jordan's from the South. Uh, you you he, we know what he, it feels like, don't we? He lived. He lived just about a, a little over an hour from where I live right now. I have been to Charleston many times. Let me tell you, it's humid in the summertime. That, it, like <laughs> this last year was not, you know, accurate, but yeah. you could eat the air. Sometimes so he, the, 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 he, the air is so thick you can actually he, eat it sometimes. I, I believe he, he knew yeah. he knew a little something about humidity for sure. <laughs> I feel like we uh, probably would have done fine in the blight. We just would have been like, oh, it's summer. Like okay, uh, like maybe. You know, we've we've, done, we've gone through this already, but uh, yeah, we would have we would have probably done better than poor loyal. <laughs> yeah, like we, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that poor guy. <laughs> I feel so bad for him in that case. But all right, so the blight, uh, sick, diseased, decay. At one point, it's mentioned that if you if you breathe through your nose, it smells like death. If you try to breathe through your mouth. It tastes like rancid meat. It's like there's no winning. Yeah, and then and then and the very you know, the very foliage is out to kill you. Yeah, flowers can kill you, leaves can maim you. Rand te- or Land tells them about this thing called a stick, which looks like a stick, but if you touch it, it will bite you, and pretty much you say you're. Your 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 whatever wherever it bites you will start to literally like decay, or or turn to mush right there before your eyes, and the only way to save yourself is to cut off the limb. Yeah. Uh, just just to be clear, is the blight spreading? Is it like a disease? So yes, and no. this can't this can't just be land or or like one thing. So, it, just, it seems like it's a no. disease, right? So the way it works is it started out in one place at like Shalgul and then radiates out and over time it slowly creeps and expands. Like used to be it was much further north and then when Malkier fell, the blight basically consumed it and moved further south. Okay. The idea is that if the Dark One was allowed free reign then he would basically just come across and the blight would extend as far south as possible. Okay. Oh man. By the way, by the way, we're we're barely even in the blight. No, like we're at we're point. at the edge of it. I would oh. <laughs> We we haven't even gotten into the blight proper yet and we have all these things to be worried about. 
the thing that oh, affected me yeah. is just the smell and taste. That, oh yeah. <laughs> at that point, I can't go further. You know, if if I can't even breathe through my mouth or or through my nose, like what am I supposed to do here? I'd just yeah. be vomiting. Uh, uh, but man, it's probably it's probably only going to get worse. I don't understand why it's only yeah. now getting addressed. It's what just it's just been. It, I just I just feel like it, it hasn't. It's like it's been years. The blight has been here for how long? You know what I mean? Like it's been I don't here think there's really a, I don't think there's really anything they can do about it. I, I don't know. It just needs yeah. to be bleached at this point. I'm just trying to figure out how to clean this. It just sounds like a dirty bathtub that just needs to be sanitized. I mean, you could you could burn it, burn, but or it's, burned. It's in the very soil at this yeah. point. It's a corruption. It's gonna anything else that grows back is just gonna be the same way. It just makes you feel itchy. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's gross. Yeah. It's disgusting. So yeah, we do get that fun little revelation at the end of the chapter, though. I don't like. Where's this even coming from? We're over here trying to dodge sticks and and live. Well, and we can barely you know, breathe. And there's, I, I think about it. Like first of all, like, this you is know, so weird. They, for, no, first of all, they have they've been together pretty much twenty four seven for quite some time now. Like two Things, days. No, no, it's been a lot longer than that. They they've been together oh, a lot. And things do tend to move a little faster in situations like that. Add add to that the fact that there's a strong possibility they could die within the next few days. You're right. You know, they 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 they're, yeah. they're basically looking at their mortality, look staring them in the face. I mean, if not now when? Justin, I appreciate you adding sense to the situation. I, I do appreciate You also that. have to take into account that there's a lot of the journey that's been going on where we've been seeing things from Perrin and Rand's perspectives. Yeah. But Nynaeve was pretty much exclusively with Moraine and Lan. So I'm sure they probably had a lot more interactions that we just weren't privy to. Personally, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I know. You know what? If there's people that should, like, that can get to that... I guess makes sense together. It would be uh, Nynaeve and Lan. If it was someone like Egwene and Lan, I'd be like, this is ridiculous. Like, he doesn't need a damsel in distress. I like that she's self-sufficient. Do you think she wants to be an Aes Sedai? I know this is kind of, like, off track, but do you think do you think she's going to Tar Valen to keep an eye on Egwene? Or is she going there for, like, Lan or to really, like, hone in on her Aes Sedai powers? I think there's several things with her. Yeah, I think she wants to keep an eye on Egwene, obviously. But I think at the same time, she's starting to see the fact that the way the world is going and the way things are happening, she needs to have every tool that she can have at her advantage in order to keep these uh, people safe. You know, what, what, really, what really struck me, though, about this, this last little bit is how much deep down Lan wants this. He he really does. It seems like he, he's been lonely. He he you know he really does love her. Can't believe this. I'm just I'm if, just like one if he cut, like what if he thought he could he would marry her in a heartbeat. <laughs> They're talking about marriage now. Like this, it's like you know I'm. It came out of left field for me. Like we're we've progressed too quickly, but I guess there's a lot of behind the scenes that I was not privy to, and also Rand. Rand needs to mind his own business and stop listening in on people's conversations. <laughs> like that is so like he's so irritating. Mind your own business. At least he has the decency to turn away when she starts to cry. 
Ugh. And 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 it's not entirely his fault. He, he couldn't sleep. Just, and they were talking about it, you know, just, close by. Stop talking near yeah. to kids. Like go somewhere but else. It was, I, 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 I loved it. I, I thought it was beautiful and sad at the same time. You, you really, I'm glad you got your, your beautiful scene then. I'm, I'm you, glad you really, that you, you really, it. you really feel for both of them because you can tell how much it's, it's weighing on them. And it was, it's great storytelling. You can't deny yeah. that it was, it was, it was great storytelling in this moment. You might not, you, you might wonder, you know, about, you know, in the situation, was it, appropriate you can question that but you cannot deny it was great storytelling it was good storytelling yeah yeah it adds a a real depth of character here yeah and it shows like these characters are experiencing things they're living and breathing and developing connections even if they're not necessarily the characters we're following all the time this world is alive and things are happening. They, they, I mean, it, it, it brings some realism into it. They have very complex emotions that they're trying to work through and deal with. And we have 13 books to go. I do, I do wish happiness for them both, though. They, do, they deserve it. Land deserves to be happy. So we got a whole lot of story to go. Oh, please don't kill uh, them off. I'm so scared. Uh, every every time something like this happens, that's another reason. Like, well, this isn't this isn't I don't know. Every time something like this happens, another great great story is when someone falls in love and the other person dies. So, I'm just saying that she put herself at risk by professing her love like that. Or if anything, Rand put them at risk by listening in. But hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, know, we'll be going we'll have a having a red wedding, right? I guess oh, so. Let's, uh, I guess uh, let's, so. Let's not go there. But Egwene, Egwene knows about it. We we see we see several hints throughout that at least Egwene knows how Nynaeve feels. You know, so. I, I don't find I don't find that shocking. I mean, of course, she I don't would. either. Yeah, I don't, I, I that don't makes find more it shocking sense. She's, she's, it, and also, even if Nynaeve didn't even say anything, uh, she would be more perceptive to it than the boys. Yeah, yeah well, for sure, oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, Especially because the boys don't really know what to look for with Nynaeve, as you and Lan is not giving off any signals, <laughs> as you can see. But I do hope he, I do wish for him to be happy. But um, I guess that's it. There's nothing I could do to stop it. Sorry to everyone. I tried. The strong hands were just too strong. I, they were too strong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, let's go to final thoughts. <laughs> for me, I'm I'm really hope for this last um, few chapters. So we find out like uh, we find out the truth about uh, Rand's parentage. I feel like it, it like I feel like it's going to be an excellent story, and I really hope we find out soon. I mean, I just now found out he's a redhead. Like that's <laughs> that just came out of nowhere for me. So um, let's get some more facts out here. Justin, what about you? Uh, well, the only thing I can say is. No white cloaks in these chapters. <laughs> However, they're still the worst. And that's all I've got. <laughs> that's, Steven, all he's gotta, that's all you need to yeah. say. Steven, any final thoughts for us from you? Uh, just, it kind of all comes together in these last couple of chapters. All these little plot threads. So much. And I just love, absolutely love all the backstory we get on Malkir. And then the mystery and... Uh, craziness of what Padden Payne is now. 
uh, it's just so much good content and, and development here. I just love it. And I can't not wait to see how uh, you guys react to the last four chapters. Five chapters. Is it four or five? Okay. We've got five chapters yep. to go. Yep. Yeah. The last chapters of the book, and uh, there's a lot still to come. Yeah. I, I, I'll actually confess, because we're recording earlier next week, I've already read them, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? It's uh, fine though because you've already read the book, and yeah, but but there's there's still there's a lot of details that I I couldn't remember, and I'm being reminded of. So uh, I'm I'm already excited to to look at those together next week. But that's next week. We got to bring that's this week, week to a close. So uh, just want to uh, again say to everyone who is listening, thank you for being with us for this episode. We are so thankful for you uh, being a part of this, uh, you know, listening, subscribing. Um, we would love it if you could rate and review on, on whatever uh, podcatcher that, that you listen to us on. And, and if you subscribe for sure, then, then you get new episodes every Tuesday when they, when they're released. So you can be uh, right there on top of things as soon as the episode comes out. You've got it right there. Download it, listen to it, and join in with us for for the fun conversation. In the meantime, uh, you can be with us on social media. We're on Twitter, at uh, WindBeginning. Very, very excited to have uh, a few of you interacting with us on Twitter. We're thankful for that, so keep that up. Uh, also on Instagram, we, we're getting a lot of you with us there at uh, The Wind Was a Beginning on Instagram. Facebook and YouTube, The Wind Was a Beginning, a Wheel of Time podcast. Or you can email us. We're at thewindwasabeginning at gmail.com. So any of those options are great to get in touch with us, chat with us, um, you know, find out when the episodes are, are ready to come out, anything like that. Uh, but until then, we're, we're ready to roll right along, get into the last five chapters of this book. That'll be chapters 49 through 53. And we look forward to discussing that and having you along for the ride next Tuesday. So come back, join with us, and let's finish this book off, uh, finish it strong. So I guess that's it for us, guys. Until next time. Uh, we hope you'll come back and be with us again. And um, with that, we'll say goodbye for now. Good night. Goodbye, everybody. Today's episode, we are study or studying. Wow, um, it feels like studying, doesn't it? I'm gonna cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a book study. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you should. I don't think you should cut it out. <laughs> no, uh, blooper reel. <laughs> I, I really don't think you should cut it out. <laughs> I. I, 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 I I, I might add it as a blooper reel at the end. 
that? Okay. 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 You guys, you guys are still going, right? <laughs> yeah, we're still going. Okay. Yeah. Um. I, I right. don't know if you should cut it out. I like it. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm gonna cut it out, and uh, I'm I might put it as a blooper reel at the end. Anyway, let's let's uh let's try again. Let Michelle get the giggles out. Let's go. 